Hello, gentlemen. On today's episode, we'll be meeting with the Catholic CEO to talk about starting a business God's way. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are your hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We're excited that you are here. If this is your first time, please remember to subscribe on YouTube. Click the bell. If you're listening to us on a podcast player, please remember to subscribe so that you can get each of these episodes when they come out every week. One thing that we always like to ask is just that request for um, donations. We are dependent on our donors to keep this moving. We have uh, great tiered offerings at patreon.com slash Catholic gentlemen. So if you're interested and you're feeling discerning um, or you're feeling that helping us would be something that you've discerned, $5, $10 a month would all be incredibly helpful to us in this ministry to reach more men. Also, all of the uh, new rosaries and leather journals and custom um, mugs and everything that we have all goes to help the ministry and expand it. So maybe that's something you would prefer to do as well. So check us out at catholicgentleman.com. Today, we are so blessed to be joined by Henry Katarna. He is a faithful Catholic, an experienced business executive and mentor. He is chair of a private family investment fund with investments mainly in real estate and manufacturing. And as a business expert, Henry is a private mentor and executive coach. He has been a valued member of numerous private and public boards. And I'll pause there and say that there are a lot of them. And you can go to his website, the Catholic CEO, and uh, check those out. We'll put that in the show notes. A couple of the things that he's been is deputy minister of economic development. He's been president of the Saskatchewan Diversification Corporation. He is an award-winning business coach and mentor, successful investor, running his own investment firm, and he's a faithful Catholic, and I know that he has consecrated um, the Catholic CEO to St. Joseph, and for any of our frequent listeners, you know that I play the trumpet, and Henry used to play the trumpet as well. So, Henry, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me. This is a wonderful opportunity, and Yes, we were just talking beforehand about the Haydn trumpet concerto, which is a tough piece to play, and I don't know if I could do it anymore, but I know you can. (laughs) That's right. I keep them going. Um, So, you know, Henry, we want to start out by learning about you. I think that that first question is, is you are a very accomplished business professional, more so than than, uh, probably most, if not all of the listeners, um, ourselves included, and might ever become in life. And and, uh, so we're really um, pleased to have you here. But how did you get there? How, what was your faith life? Where did you start from? We'd love to hear just uh, about you. Well, I, thank you very much. I, I'll mention a couple of things that got me the business, and then I'll jump back to the, to the personal and family. In the business world, I was a contract executive. And when you're a contract executive, you move around to a lot of different companies. So that gives you a vantage point. Also, mm-hmm. as an investor, I still see about 200 deals a year. And so when you analyze deals, which is means you analyze companies and, and the whole situation, you see a lot. And so that's a good vantage point. But the, the personal side of things, how that all got there was, I come from uh, a Polish family who uh, grew up in, uh, I grew up in Canada in the province of Saskatchewan. And we were a large family. My father had five siblings. And so there were six families all growing up in Regina, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. with 
five or six kids each. And so we grew up in kind of a, a, an enclave, you might say, in, in the same neighborhood, lots of children. And so we were a traditional Catholic family. Awesome. And as a result of that, we worked with the church. We volunteered. We were mass servers. I was in the Boy Scouts. My mother was the organist. My dad was the, uh, the chairman of the parish council. And my sisters were in the choir. And my brother and I served mass and so on. So we had a faith life that started early and lived on. And so when we all became adults, we, we did the same thing. We were, my sisters are musicians. Um, I was chairman of a parish council and we did a lot of volunteer work. So the faith has really been something that has guided our family. And we had good examples. My grandfather, my uncles, my dad, all of us, uh, all of us had good examples from them. And so, you know, when you talk about the Catholic gentleman as a, as a program, as a show, we really had the uh, the the foundational basis back in the in the day. Oh, praise God! That's no, great. I, and so, oh, go ahead, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to continue on this path of of your faith life guiding you and in, in, in your career. But Sam, go for it. Yeah, no, I just uh, I was as I was listening, I was just thinking, you know, the the traditional Catholic grounding that you had as a young adult really shaped um, your worldview, but what really led you to the business world um, as a career path and um, how in any way did your faith influence that? Well, you know, Sam, what happened was my grandfather uh, was, you know, an immigrant to Canada and he worked and his, his, the only avenue open to him because he didn't have high education he didn't have the command of the language. He had to learn a second language. There were no sort of social services or things like that to help him out. And so he came up with the idea of a family business where the family would buy old houses, old properties, renovate them, rent them out. So it was a, it was a rental investment business. And his theory, he used to tell us this when we were little boys in, you know, sitting around listening to him talk. Uh, he would say to us, uh, you know, people will need accommodation all their lives, but it's most important to keep your family together and not, so business was secondary. You know, it, it's a strange thing. It may sound unusual, but he used to say to us that it's most important to keep the family together. So we had that drilled into us, you could say, right from the very beginning. And, and combined with that, we had a, it was an imperative in our family. For example, every Saturday, um, I went to the Marion Center, which is an apostolate of the Madonna House in Regina, and uh, I ran the dishwasher in the in the kitchen for the soup kitchen service. And that was expected in our family. You didn't just do your business and then sit around. You actually were asked to and, and invited to and told to, you know, do some of these things. So that's how the faith combined with business. But I always liked that the family business kept us together and gave us a common goal. And that's what sparked my interest in business. Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of the obstacles that you had? Like, I guess, what was a stepping stone? Because, you know, you don't get from dish being a dishwasher to um, being a, on the board of, of more than I can count and, and, you know, C-level exact and now a coach and mentor to other C-level individuals. So, so what brought you along that path and maybe what are some of the obstacles that you experienced along the way? Yeah, that's a, that makes me think of, so 
you know, it, while we lived in, in Saskatchewan, you know, I, I worked in the family business. And then there was this notion that we should all go out and get experience outside of the family for a year or two. And so I went into government and I, I found, again, it's hard to explain. It's, it's either the Holy Spirit guiding or, or, or divine providence at work. But I took on some responsibility at a lower level and I discovered, and, and so did my supervisors, my superiors discovered that I had some abilities. And so I solved some problems in, in government programs. And so honestly, I moved up quickly. And within a few years, I was uh, working in treasury board and then I became a deputy minister. So that gave me a vantage point because when I did economic development, I traveled around the world to bring investment into Saskatchewan. And so it was very, um, it, my, my world expanded. I could see a lot of issues, a lot of people, a lot of different cultures. And then I, I found that I was becoming more interested in, in the business and the mm. investment climate. And so that's kind of where, where it started and it, it pushed me towards a business career. Then I studied economics in university, which was really fascinating to me. And that was one of the main things. Obstacles, probably the... Um, obstacles were probably more like uh, lack of capital, um, lack of an opportunity to, to, get a, to get practice at something. And so again, in the family, okay, go on the parish council, volunteer for something in the community. And that's how you get experience in a board. And so I, we, we overcame that obstacle by actually going out and trying to find places where we could serve. I love this idea of service, this theme of service that keeps coming up. And there, there's kind of this stereotype of uh, the business world. Uh, at least it's an impression that I have. I don't know if, if everyone else has it, but but that you kind of have to be kind of cutthroat in the business world to get ahead, that you have to almost be unvirtuous to be successful in business. Like you have to be greedy, ambitious, you know, me first, look out for number one, climb the ladder, you know, all of these things that are kind of um worldly values but they're not necessarily christian values and yet what i'm hearing from you is that uh you kind of did the opposite of that and you still succeeded you still found ways to serve so could you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah that that's that's an interesting thing so once again i'll go back to the teachings of my grandfather my dad my uncle mm. in business they taught us to do business well so be professional you know, if you're if you're renovating an apartment unit, do a good job. But they taught us something also. They said, don't be greedy. Don't be uh, excessively, you know, um, pushing your weight around and kind of uh, trying to take advantage of somebody else. So, for example, my grandfather used to teach us when you are charging mar your rents. Two to three percent below market, not market. And he used to do the calculations, no spreadsheets, of course, by hand. But he taught us that you could, if you know your numbers well, you can run a Catholic business. You can be generous to people. You can show some charity. And you can be successful in business, but you could charge just a little bit below market. And you could be more generous on your repair budget and things like that. So that's that was drilled into us, again, to, to be not aggressive and not to be cutthroat, to be generous. And what I have discovered is that it doesn't hurt you. It actually does not hurt you. And 
you know, uh, St. Joseph being the patron of our uh, group, the Catholic CEO, uh, he's brought us definitely things that are beyond our abilities. I know that. So that's the story. It was, uh, we were taught not to be cutthroat and aggressive, but to be slightly below market and more generous, more tolerant, and somehow it worked. It didn't hurt us. Yeah. Amen. No, I like that. I like how you brought up a couple of times your your grandfather, your father, your uncle, right? And Sam and I have talked frequently on this show about the need for gentlemanly examples, right? That we can leave that for our sons. We can leave that for our neighbors actually now. And um, and we're all called to do that. And, you know, in the spirit of service, in the spirit of, of love of our neighbors. And um, and there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, so you, you know, have, um, have shifted, so to speak, in, in from actually doing the work yourself to, to mentoring or coaching, or now with the Catholic CEO, helping startup groups and stuff get going. Um, what are, what, what in the, the culture today, or what have you seen over the last 30 years um, that, that caused this uh, desire of yours? What, what is some of the, the primary friction and tension that us men have to face now in uh, both the secular world as as men trying to live their faith, or um, you know even in the Catholic sphere at parishes and things like that, still trying to live our faith? I'd love to hear from you uh, what it was that that inspiration and guidance. Yeah, I, I would think there's there's probably two areas of friction. If you use the term friction, if one of them was that when I was a peer leader, so these uh, groups of CEOs, you work with 12 groups, uh, 12 people in a CEO group, and I've done that for many years for mm. different companies, actually, uh, America and, and in Canada. And what I learned there, and it was predominantly men, it was men that were running these companies. And so if it, I had two groups uh, for eight years in Calgary, for example, and we had you know one or two women, but mainly men. The men would come to me and, and we would have these private one-on-one -on -one meetings as well as the group meeting once a month. And so the men would come to me and they would say something like this. They'd say, you know, I've been successful in my business. I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm running my business. I'm making money. Uh, I've got all the toys. I've got all the mm -hmm. toys that I need. I've got the sports car. I've got, you know, the, the, the second house, the cabin, the cottage, the, uh, the beach house, the condo in Hawaii, whatever. And then they said, they'd say to me, not everybody, but many would say to me, but what's it for? I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel that this is doing me any good. So that's one kind of friction where men for the last 25 years have told me this. The next friction that really caused us to, to get going on the Catholic CEO idea was in the last, probably, you could look back in the last 10 years. Yeah. If you're a Catholic man running a business Catholic man or woman running a business, you're going to find that the culture is pushing you to do certain things, to champion certain causes, to push certain ideas, to accept certain behaviors. And at the beginning, it's like the frog in the, the boiling water pot, you know, mm -hmm. that story. You, you don't react to it. You don't notice it as much. But I would say in the last three or four years, many Catholic business people have said to me, we're being squeezed. We have to now support this cause. We have to support that one. If you don't put this sign on your front door, you know, you're, you're a problem. If you don't send your employees to some sort of a, an event, 
you're in trouble and and pretty soon there's pressure on you and then of course you know there's even more pressure some people have faced as you know overt pressure like uh, bake this cake yeah you know right you know the example i'm talking about and so those two things the kind of people get wealthy they get successful in business but it doesn't mean anything unless there's a purpose to it and then the culture now is pushing us and so catholic people are saying we've got this problem that's why we started the catholic ceo about a year ago year and a half ago we talked about it we said we think we could take this idea help catholic business people be successful in business yes you have to be sharp and successful in business but you can be fully catholic and in this era that we're in now this is the pressure that's on us we can we're actually being forced to choose between our catholic faith and success in business now we believe we can do both and there's a certain way that we want to do that but that's yeah. what, that's what the two friction points are right now yeah, that purposelessness that so many men are experiencing yeah. and yeah. maybe even those. Would you say that you've experienced this with um, non-Catholics and Catholics when you were talking about that? Um, is it uh, was it the non-Catholics and or the Catholics coming to you uh, with that request or with that, uh, I guess, illumination um, that uh, that made you realize, yeah, you know, there is a purposelessness to just this mercurial drive for money and and the. Uh, temptations of the world. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, it was uh, people of all different faiths, some with no faiths. Uh, in yeah. my group, there were people that were, you know, atheists, and, and they all had this emptiness at some point, if they didn't have a purpose driven life. And so yeah. they would tell us this. And I found that they were, um, you know, it's, it's the it's like the natural law at work or something. The, the inside of that person, they would realize that, what's it for? Why am I doing this? And then on top of it all, some of them uh, were estranged from their families. So they mm. would be highly successful, wealthy business people. I could, you know, I'm just thinking of lots of different cases. And in some, time, in some cases, they would be estranged from their family. So they knew yeah. that they had lost their family all to pay the price of success in business. Well, of course, we know that you don't have to do that, but we're tempted, we're driven, yeah. uh, competitive men, particularly we're competitive, right? We want to achieve and win. And so, but anyway, it's all different faiths, all different uh, worldviews, all felt the same mm -hmm. thing. I would say that it was 100% the case. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the, the kind of the marketing business uh expert uh, simon sinek he's always starts talks about start with why like what's your why why are you doing this and until you figure that out you can't really go very far or you won't sustain any progress that you have so i guess i'm wondering how do you help people discern that and does it look the same for everybody like oh well my why is i'm doing this for god or or is or is it different for everyone um how do you find that how do you find that deeper purpose yeah, this is a it's it's quite a challenge. And so what I what I try to do as a mentor is, first of all, you know, I I, I have always tried to live the Catholic faith visibly. And so you know, sometimes people see that and they wonder about it. And so I suppose that's one way. But when I'm advising somebody, you know, the mentoring relationship, it's a private relationship, right? It's one on one. Although if you're in a group setting, well, there's a certain element, but yeah. the best work happens in the one on one situation where you're talking confidentially and candidly. You know, it's lonely at the top. We all know that expression. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are running companies, businesses, 
they can tell certain things to their spouse. They can tell certain things to their, you know, business partners or their board, but they can't confide totally in you. And so when they're working with a mentor, and I've discovered this over the last 20 years, working as a mentor, I ask people, you know, why do you do this? And so we, we go through, actually, I've developed an analytical process where you go through a series of questions to discover what motivates the person and why they're doing it. And they, some are doing it to keep their, my, my grandfather would have said, if I had been interviewing him, to keep the family together. That was his primary goal. All his sons, he wanted them to work in the business together. Uh, so what I do is I try to work through with my clients uh, a thought process like that. How, why, why are you doing this? What's it for? Uh, what do you want to do in the end with it? Do you want your children to be part of the business in the case of a family business? Do you want to be a donor to, you know, are you giving, are you going to give this all away and so on? So we just go through a discussion process. For the most part, people really don't think about it. And when you have that conversation with them, it starts to spark some thinking. And that's when the deep sort of results come. It's really, it's exciting actually, but it's profound too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, um, that's really interesting. You know, the, it, it can take some time to figure that out. It's not immediately obvious. Um, one question I have that kind of to follow up on that though, is I hear this debate that goes on in the, in the business world, um, between doing something to make a really good living or doing something because you're passionate about it. Or, and you hear sometimes the advice given to young people where it's like, only do something that makes you a really good living. Don't worry about your passion. Just do the hard work, you know, pay the, you know, pay the bills and have a really good life, um, have a lot of luxuries and that'll make you happy. And then other people say, don't worry about the money, just do something you love and the money will come. Um, I, would, I would love to hear your insights on that. That's a, that's a good one. So I, at an earlier part in my life, I used to believe that too, that, yeah, do something that you're passionate about, do something you love because you'll do it better. You'll feel more fulfilled. It will be, you know, better for you all around. And, and there's still truth in that. I'm not denying that. I think there's truth in that. But what I've discovered is that men in particular who have a sense of duty to their spouse and their family, uh, in their role, their God-given role in, in the sort of, uh, well, in the traditional family model, men often will find that they're working on a, on a business or on a, in a job, in a career, on something that they don't actually really love or have the passion mm-hmm. for, but from a sense of duty, uh, a noble sense of duty, not, you know, some, something that's artificial, they will stick to it and do it. So I've now, I've seen quite a few people, uh, particularly men, do something that's good and they don't hate it, but they do it for a higher purpose. They do it to either support their family, look out for their children and their spouse, uh, or create jobs for other people. I know a a recent uh, situation in, in my parish right now where a guy, um, you know, his wife uh, lost her job for conscience reasons. So his plan is to not only bring her into the business, but to expand his business to hire more people from the parish who also have lost their jobs for conscience reasons. So 
it's a nobler purpose. And so I, I don't know if that person has total passion for his business and loves it, but now he's got a higher ideal and a higher purpose. Yeah. And so he's going to jump to that next level. At least that's what I'm finding in recent times. Yeah. No, I think that's great. It's turning it away from the me-centered and, and still putting it on the other yeah. centered. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and some some people are doing it. And so there's a there's a trend, you know. And and if we take it even further and say, okay, let's 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 do a Catholic economy. You know, I, I I'm a strong believer that we should form a Catholic economy where we form businesses that are successful but that are Catholic, not buying into the whole secular story. And I believe that it can be done. And if we do that well, uh, it's possible that we could then hire each other, supply each other, sell to each other, uh, provide income and jobs and investment capital even. you know, As an angel investor, I, I don't see why Catholics shouldn't support the growth of Catholic businesses, for example. So there's a lot of work we could do to create a Catholic economy. That's a higher purpose. And that's something not only... It's at a higher purpose. We may even be forced to do that as the culture squeezes us more in the next, I don't know, five years, two years, one year. We may be forced to do this. So this is, yeah, it's very exciting for us at the Catholic CEO, that's for sure. Well, and I like that. And I like the fact that it's all seen as an opportunity, right? Like the woke culture is is trying to squish the faith out of um, the, the business sphere. And instead of cowering or retreating or moving into a direction, um, you, you do you, and I can hear it in you. And I, we've had conversations before and on your website, it's really an opportunity for us that God has, you know, chosen us to be here and now, and that this opportunity uh, for men to grow in their faith or to, you know, still chart their future. I think you, you use those words on your website, um, you know, and, and maybe even take that next step of creating a business. So, something you mentioned about creating a Catholic economy is, um, you know, something I've thought of, uh, you know, kind of, if we, you know, kind of use the Benedict option or something like that, kind of like as these, these fall, small Catholic communities of, of support and help and raising kids and stuff like that. But you're talking about it on a much bigger scale, on a business and an economic scale. Um, and I'd love to hear, uh, I guess, what your thoughts are on how that could, uh, could be a reality. Um, my mind immediately went just a couple things was, um, okay, so yeah, the supply chain though would likely still have to be connected to, to non-Catholics. But then you even mentioned it of like, well, eventually we could get to the point where Catholics are supplying. So I'd love to hear more about that thought process in this, um, in this Catholic business economy that you just presented. Yeah, that, that's, that's something that we have, a, I, I am wrestling with that all the time. We, we're always going to be living in the context of a secular culture, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're going to have the political system in each of the countries. We're going to have uh, the legal legislative system, the laws, the rules, all of that. It's going to be there. But if we become, I'll put it this way, if we become an economic powerhouse, if Catholics become an economic powerhouse, we will be able to influence laws and regulations in a way that we currently can't. Mm. And so that's one way to do it, I think. The other way is if we grow small, for example, if we started in parishes to have uh, a group of people working together to maybe put a small pool of capital together. You know, the early credit unions started this way where people in within a parish, in fact, my dad was, was one who started a credit union in his parish, in our parish in, in Regina, 
And uh, some people, you know, recent Polish immigrants, for example, um, would want to buy a car. So they would take, they would get a $500 loan to buy a car, mm -hmm. but the bank wouldn't give them the loan because they didn't really have a job or they were just newly immigrant, you know, all of that sort of the, the usual business factors. But the parish trusted that person, knew them, knew that they would pay that loan back at $5 a month or whatever it was way back 40, 50 years ago when my dad was doing this. So I think that we could become an economic powerhouse. We could start, we could build a business, an economy where we supply each other. The supply chain, your example, 100% right. We're not going to be able to be isolationist, but we can integrate. And the stronger we are as an economic force, the easier that integration will be. And that's kind of the snowball effect. So if we do this on a parish level and then gra and, uh, gradually rotate it to a, a citywide level, a statewide level, a province-wide level, no reason we can't become an economic powerhouse. I have um, some friends who are of another ethnic group, and they tell me that they've done this for centuries, mm -hmm. and they have. And so... When, when they found out that I was doing the Catholic CEO, they said, good for you. You're drawing your line in the sand, but you're also doing what we've done for centuries. And so there's already examples out there. It can be done. And there's an integration that can happen to the regular economy. So that's, what, that's what's motivating us these days to do this. We think we can do it. We think we can be Catholic and successful in business. And then we can start to influence the culture. Yeah, and I would say you're thinking starting at the parish level is is would be a good starting place, you know, is that accurate? Yeah, subsidiarity, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like that principle. It seems to be easier to work that way because it's a common, it's a place where people gravitate, you know, they're there on a regular basis. And so why not start there? Um, yeah. Try to start a Catholic, I, I've seen people try to do this, a Catholic directory or a catholic you know club yeah. or association or something and if you're from citywide it's hard to attract it but if you've got that common spot that you're you're gravitating towards you know every week then it might make sense to do that so so i'm all about that i think that's a that's something that we could do it's a vision yes but what if we did that? What if we focused on that? And then we would be able to influence not only the, the legislate the, the laws and the, the regulatory climate, but we could also do things that would push that pressure that the culture is giving us. We could push that back. And then we would have the freedom to live the Catholic life and raise our children and our grandchildren in, in, a, in a fully Catholic life. Amen. That's, that's pretty cool. And we like it. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm hearing this again, this theme that comes coming up again of like using your success in business for good. And that leads to kind of a question that um, I hope isn't too um, impertinent. I've never had to face this issue because I'm not wealthy, but like, <laughs> let's say you do hit it big in the business world and you make lots of money um, from a Catholic perspective what do you do with that? Like, mm -hmm. do you have, do you just go buy the boat and the lake house and you know, the, the super sports car, whatever, like, mm -hmm. is that okay? Um, or is there some moral duty do we have? Like you mentioned earlier on like a Madonna house, um, which is, I know is kind of like the Canadian, like it's almost like a Canadian Catholic worker movement in the sense, like it, Something like that, it yeah. was very much about serving the poor and living with the poor. And, 
So like, do we have an opportunity to like live this evangelical poverty lifestyle where we're serving with our wealth or like, what does that look like for people who maybe let's say they are successful in business, they have more money sitting around than they know what to do with. What do we, what's our duty as Catholic uh, successful businessmen to, um, to, to use our money to the glory of God? Well, the last word that you use there for the glory of God, I think is, is that's the imperative. So I've, I have learned in my study of the faith over the last years that there will, you know, our Lord said there will always be the poor with you. I would never use that as an excuse, uh, but I would say that if somebody makes a lot of money, they're successful in business. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. What's what the question is, the key question then is, what are you going to do with it? What's your motivation? And so if you buy the toys and, you know, I, I'm one who does, I, do, I believe it doesn't, it's not an evil to have a beautiful home or, uh, you know, I like sports cars. And so it's not, I don't think it's evil to have a beautiful, cool sports car, but I think that we must then have a spirit of generosity. And so the virtues, the practice of the virtues, the, the generosity, um, I listened to numbers, I think seven to 13 of your recent uh, podcast when you had the values, the, the Catholic gentleman values. And I find that if we have a spirit of generosity and then support charities, support the poor, support, but, but do it in a way that you're teaching somebody how to fish. That's, that's another one of my favorite examples. Micro loans, micro business, uh, helping people, I don't know, be a mentor or, or help people start a business by becoming an investor, an angel investor, where you're, the, the, you're starting at an early stage with a business and you're doing it on the basis of trust in the person. And so I guess my conclusion is, do yes, build your wealth, but then adopt a spirit of generosity and charity and certainly support Catholic objectives, good Catholic objectives. And then I think find a way to help fellow man in the case if you're a business person with that skill and talent, well then help people start businesses. That's how I would approach it. Yeah. And I think too, of, of all the very wealthy Catholics who've built so many of our churches um, our universities, things like that, um, were all came from, not always, but in many cases came from people who had the means to be very generous, like you're describing, and um, have kind of left monuments of faith uh, as a result. Um, and I think that's that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I can tell you of a, it's something that bugs me personally, and that is that I've seen many successful Catholic people, uh, and I, I, I applaud their success. And I see the support given to what I would call secular um, causes, which again, good, because it's for the fellow, fellow man, fellow people of, of the world. I understand that. But wouldn't it be something to then build Catholic institutions like, um, I don't know, Catholic hospitals, Catholic charities, Catholic uh, causes, Catholic um, institutions of higher learning that are not sort of bought into the secular culture that has taken over so many of our institutions. So that's another kind of angle, not only help people start a business, but could we not support things that actually 
foster the Catholic faith as we may have once done, but I think we can even do it better because there's a lot of success in business. There are many Catholic people who have uh, built wealth and have successful businesses. And so to begin uh, pushing some of that towards Catholic institutions, I think is, is positive. And I think it's a, it's a worthy target. Yeah. One thing that I'd like to hear your thoughts on is just kind of that spirit of competition, you know, like in the, in the um, hearts of men, right, uh, where we want to uh, win when we sit down at work and when we look at our peers, you know, there's, there's this temptation in that arena as well. I also see it in um, the Catholic space, I see it in uh, the business space, is how do you um, use that competitive drive uh, for the good. And, you know, one situation I think of is I think of, you know, if if you've got two businesses and they're both run by Catholic business owners, they're, you know, tires, uh, they're, you know, putting on tires on, on cars and they've got two, they each own their own tire and they're across town. How do you um, build the culture of unity within the faith and not uh, disrupt it because they think they're in always in competition and they're stealing each other's business and stuff like that? How does that enter into uh, the the Catholic ecosystem and um, business ecosystem and then and then this thought process? Because it's something that I have seen and, and struggled with uh, very frequently within my own you know um, personal work is is seen instead of like a build the market and, and expand the reach of the market, I see basically like there is a finite pool of individuals and we just, whoever's the fastest to get in and get them up is the one that's going to win. Um, and it seems very uh, cultural or counter, forgive me, it seems very counter to this notion of, of, of unity and support. So I'd like to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, I, I, what I love about what you just said, John, is, is, you know, build the market, build the economy. If you're two tire shops across town, uh, the competitive nature of people will kick in. Yes, it will automatically. But if we try to live the Catholic life, I would offer that we're trying to live a virtuous life. And so we will want to follow um, virtues like prudence and temperance. Um, and justice, for example, the, among many other virtues, those virtues would then motivate us to do our business well. So, for example, the two tire shop guys, you know, they would each be super smart business people. They would, you know, uh, have the supply chain figured out so that they're getting greater cost advantage and they would, you know, offer uh, attractive discounts and, and beautiful promotions and cool things that would just grow their business. And because they're competitive, maybe they'll speed it all up so that they grow their businesses faster and more successfully and so on to a point. But let's not stop there. I think this is where you're going with that thought. It's yeah. build the Catholic economy then or build the economy by perhaps getting the two tire shop together to say, okay, what are we going to do as an industry? Are we going to build that soup kitchen? Are we going to build that hospital wing or are we going to i don't know um start a, a school or a co-op for uh, homeschooling people what whatever we want to do that's where i think the 
competitive nature should be channeled. Yes, build a business using Catholic principles. Don't be you know, sucked into just the secular culture, but then do something beyond that with either building, like you say, the Catholic market or the Catholic economy and find causes that are worthy and worthwhile where you can really support your fellow men and then channel your competitive spirit that way. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's not pursuit of pride of life and of reputation and status. It's it's really about, you know, this drive to improve your business and then you use that money for the good, you know, to use it to build the economy by helping and supporting other businesses and things like that. Um, because, yeah, exactly. Do you need to become a discount tires? Do you need to become, you know, something that is is, is a mega global chain? You know, all things for discernment. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I, I'm people in my family probably chuckle at me because I always the, the, one of the speeches I always give is learn how to be to do financial simulations well learn how to do a spreadsheet analysis that can simulate all sorts of different scenarios and and calculate your margin carefully and know what your profit uh, profitability is your your uh, your margins your your um, uh, projections for growth in the future because if you can do that well you can then achieve these goals and these causes and you can create more room in your business and still be profitable and still be successful and still offer tremendous value to your customers and respect your customers, your suppliers, your employees, your contractors, show great respect and behave as a Catholic to them as well, but still make money and succeed and then do these other causes that go beyond your business. And we're all called to do that, right? Aren't we as individuals, we want to, we're supposed to go beyond ourselves and do something for the rest of the, of the world. Yeah. So, so that, that brings up a really good point. You're talking about like spreadsheet analysis and things like mm -hmm. this. Um, mm -hmm. So to someone like you who kind of grew up around business, you've been, business is just kind of in your blood. You've been doing it for so many years. Um, it's kind of second nature by now. So if you wanted to start a business, it'd probably be pretty easy. You'd know exactly what to do. But maybe somebody has a really good idea. I'm kind of like that. I got, a, I'm an ideas guy. I got ideas coming out my ears for, for things, projects. Uh, but I don't really have I don't really have the 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 know how to make them a reality a lot of times. So let's say somebody has a really good idea for a business. They think it could be profitable, but they're just not sure. Where do I start? Like, what do I even do? Can you just give us a very? I, mean, I know it's probably different for everybody, but just to like a kind of a nutshell version of what that process would look like. Where would you start? You have a business idea and you want to make it happen. Where would you begin? That is. Uh... That, that's kind of, a, it's one of the first segments of our free course that we offer on uh, how to start your business. So how I would start with someone is, I would say, okay, if you have an idea and you think that you want to make a business out of it, do three simple things. And, and we talk about this in great length. You can do a little market test. So let's say you want to become a coffee roaster. You can do a little market test. I won't go into details today because it's, it will sound too technical, but you could do some internet searches to see how many coffee roasters there are in your geographic area, in your metropolitan area. You could do a little demand test. You could do something that tries to tell you how many people are interested, whether this is a growing industry or it's a narrow, small industry with not really a lot of potential. 
and then you can do a little sanity test. So those three that I've just mentioned, the market test, the sanity test, and the demand test, we have a little process where you can go through that and it helps you to, to strengthen your idea and to discard the ideas that are frankly not worthy mm. of pursuit. So that's not, you're not buying a $100,000 consultant to give you a market analysis. You're doing these three little tests, which most reasonable people could do. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's how I would approach that. There's other uh, problems in the startup. Uh, procrastination is the biggest thing. People yeah. just can't get going. And so we, we, we show people that you can um, pick a timeline into the future. Let's say you want to open a business in, I'm just making this up now, six months from now. So you pick a date in the six months in the future, but then you work backwards from that, uh, working backwards to go forward, so to speak. And you mm-hmm. put into your calendar blocks of time. And so then you reduce the procrastination pressure to get going by this week. You're only going to worry about that two hour block of time tomorrow. That's it. And if you add those all up together, you'll open in six months. And so I'm yeah. oversimplifying, of course, but that there's tools like that that help us to get going. But the most important one right off the bat is to think, test your idea using those little three tests. Also discussing with your spouse, with your family, with your business associates, your partners, or in this parish economy thing we're talking about, you could talk with a a group of advisors, mentors that have been there, done that. Anyway, I'm full of all of these ideas, as you can see, and I I hope that that helps to, you know, how how to kickstart somebody's idea into action. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. And I do, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that before we leave here as about the Catholic CEO and all the great things that you guys are offering uh, to help people. But before we get there, the good majority of our listeners, I imagine, fall into, um, you know, kind of our category, uh, where, you know, maybe starting a business is 10 years down the road for them, you know, maybe right now, they're just trying to um, get enough money to support their family and take care of things. And they are living in the secular world, like you talked about, very, um, you know, woke culture and things like that. How can they live their faith in, practically speaking, in the working environment? I know you've got a lot of great suggestions, and I'd like to to hear you talk about that. And then I'm very comfortable if you want to take it, you know, from an individual sitting in an office job all the way to a business owner and the ways that a business owner can further live and develop their Catholic faith, this spirit of generosity, this virtue, because it's become very clear. And we had an a interview with uh, Scott Hahn a few months ago where he just talked about um, justice and virtues as as a part of the, um, the, you know, the spiritual law in life. And when the uh, individual and the family and ultimately the business lives in opposition to that, we, we remove ourselves from, from reality and we start living in, you know, in sin and pursuing these sort of things. And so you're talking about bringing that virtue back, bringing that truth, you know, both the natural law and the spiritual law that is a part of our lives. And so right now, today, what are things that your, you know, average Catholic man who's not about to start his own company can start doing to live his faith in the workplace? I think, um, first of all, we all we should start with the prayer life and i know that's yeah. probably obvious to everybody uh, who listens to and watches the catholic gentleman it's an important thing but i find that when you have um 
for example, your patron saint. I'll just use the, the Catholic CEO. St. Joseph is our patron saint. And so we are consecrated to St. Joseph through the, you know, um, Father Calloway's book, uh, two years ago in a row, we've consecrated ourselves to St. Joseph. And he is the sponsor of the Catholic CEO. And so our daily prayers are to him. So I think obviously we should start there. But uh, some practical ideas. Let's say you're a, a mid-career. Let's say you're, you're somebody yeah. of your age bracket, you know, guys in their 30s, 20s, early 40s, let us say. You're working in a, in a corporate job and you're talented and, and you're going to start rising. They're going to start moving you up. You're going to become a mid-manager. You're going to become an executive. And pretty soon that VP job is beckoning. The trouble with that, and we know this, is that the secular culture is going to start to pressure you to say things a certain way, accept certain woke kind of ideas, adopt certain practices, support certain causes, show up at certain events that are actually against the Catholic faith. Pretty soon you're going to pay a price then. If you decide to follow your Catholic faith, you're going to pay a price because they're going to fire you or you're going to not move up ahead. Mm. And so the average Catholic man or woman in an executive role, I think, needs to surround themselves with other Catholics. And so joining, I don't know, a, a, a Catholic men's group of some kind that will support each other in business that's one idea. Another idea is to work for a Catholic business. Now, again, I know these are these are challenging and difficult things to do, but imagine if you looked around in your career and found a business that was owned by Catholics who really followed Catholic mm -hmm. principles. Still, the struggles in the popular culture are going to be there. Yes, but imagine how it would how cool it would be to work in a Catholic business where you have shared values, and then eventually. My thought process would be, let's start Catholic businesses where we can do this. But yeah. still, your example um, is somebody working in the corporate uh, situation. If you are doing this, at some point, we're going to have to have, speaking of virtues, fortitude. We're going to have to, the guts to, and the courage to stand up to the culture. And that's a very tricky proposition because you may then have to choose between feeding your family mm. and your faith. And that's an impossible choice in many ways. And I would not wish that on anybody, but I think one of the ways we can do it is besides, you know, uh, living our Catholic faith and having the prayer life and surrounding ourselves with Catholic uh, supporters and, and uh, fellow Catholics who are going to push uh, us in the direction of virtue all the time uh, eventually, we're, uh, what, what worries me about this is that we're going to be forced to choose at some point. And I don't think yeah. the popular culture is going to release its pressure on us soon. I think it's going yeah. to be worse. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Um, I appreciate that very much. So. Yeah, so, so you've been doing this for a while. You're, you've, you've started the Catholic CEO um, tell us a little bit about the Catholic CEO. Like, what services do you offer? What can people? Um, what support can people get through the Catholic CEO? Yeah, the, the Catholic CEO. I'll begin by saying it's a family business. It's headquartered in Texas. Uh, the family members live in Canada and the United States. It's a business 
and it's designed to be a family business, hopefully for future generations, but it's also an apostolate. So that's kind of the, the, mm. the, the, the surrounding premise of the thing. What we're doing is we're trying to provide tools to Catholics to form businesses or to transition from jobs to businesses or to increase their performance of their business. And we think we can be Catholic and successful in business. So we want to help people to be successful in business, but we want to do it in a way that's not against the Catholic faith. We want to have it in a, in a, in a positive way that is, is fully Catholic, but also successful in business. So we offer uh, individual one-on-one -on -one mentoring. And so I work with some of our clients right now, one-on-one, -on -one, directly involved in helping them solve business issues. And uh, we have clients now that are, you know, they're, they're in business already and they're growing, but they want to make sure that their Catholic imperative is still front and center. We also have group work. So we have St. Joseph forums and uh, we want to see our vision is to have a series of St. Joseph forums all across North America where people will work in groups of up to 12 business leaders, non-competing, confidential setting under the leadership of a facilitator, and that's real-time problem solving. So you bring every month to the meeting your issues, your problems, and you're solved. They're solving them. We also have courses. So we offer online courses, home-based business, uh, seven steps to starting your business, uh, crash course in starting. We, we put an accelerated one together. We had a big event uh, a week ago, uh, a summit with about 150 participants. We had speakers uh, in three aspects. One aspect is if you're in a job right now and you may have lost your job due to conscience reasons, what do you do uh, mm. to find another job? So we, we put some tools and speakers together to help people find another job. Uh, we had a second stream where people are going to stay in their jobs and fight the legal battle. And so we had a speaker on, uh, on an important uh, tactics and techniques of how to do that. And then we had the third stream, which was how to start your own business. So we have a number of courses that we're offering. We're going to be adding very soon a course in uh, how to be investment ready, how, mm. to be, um, how to do a 12 key question pitch deck to seek investment. And so, you know, Catholic businesses are going to have to find capital as well. So in summary, it's mentoring one-on-one, -on -one, it's group process, problem solving in real time, and courses. That's what we offer. So our website has all of the details on those things. We've got some interesting promotions going on right now uh, because post-Christmas, early start of the year, post-summit that we had last week. And so we're heavily discounting this month. And so, you know, uh, take a look at thecatholicceo.com. Yeah, this great. We have. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And that's really exciting. I appreciate you sharing that. And I know in a previous conversation, you talked about that. It doesn't have to be somebody that's looking to start a brick and mortar. It can be everything from a digital space or a mom that wants to just work 20 hours a week, you know, from home or something like that. That there's a lot of possibilities, but some of these practical tools that we lack, if you haven't gotten an MBA or you haven't done it yourself, right? We don't know what we don't know, um, can really be found there on your website. And you can do it in a very um, uh, low key, affordable, um, very low 
low commitment level way to start formulating your thoughts appropriately so that, yeah, we don't dive right in, throw our life savings into something just to come up empty handed six months later because we just didn't have those tools appropriate. So um, I think it's such a great ministry and, and a great, you know, uh, organization to to provide men and women, you know, in the faith. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting that some of our, uh, the home-based business people, uh, hobby or, um, you know, we're, the, the greatest example we used in the last couple of weeks was somebody who has a particular special sauce that they make and their family mm -hmm. loves it. And so they have, uh, there's, there's one person I'm thinking of in particular who started in their kitchen making a particular kind of sauce and then it expanded so that they are, they have to have a commercial kitchen now and they have a few employees. But the point is, it's still a kind of a home based, it's tied mm. to the home and it's tied to the, the, uh, the, the father and the mother uh, working together, including the children. And so there, there's, there's a, it's a beautiful Catholic image as well, but uh, yes, home-based business, start small, bootstrapping. We're all about bootstrapping. You don't have to have capital. You have to put some money into it. But there's at the Catholic CEO, we have a program. We have a curriculum for how you can do this. And we want to help people to, to be successful and therefore be independent You know, from yeah. the culture, you could say, while still part of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, I'm really grateful for you being here, Henry. Thank you so very much for your time. We'll put all this in the show notes. People can check you out, um, see those discounted. You also have a free, um, you know, download on your website that people can check out. So I encourage every and all our listeners uh, to head over there. So just thank you so very much for your time. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, thanks to you and, and your audience. I've learned a lot from uh, your podcast and last well. So congratulations to you for what you're doing in your ministry. God bless yeah, you guys you. and what you're doing. No, I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and as we end every episode, be a man, be a saint. <laughs>